Thank you for tuning in to Diaries of a Dom plus Questions Answered. Today, I'm going to be talking about how to become a cuckold. And my slave and I are going to discuss our very first cuckold session together and how that went down. Don't forget to subscribe to my OnlyFans under Chastity Queen, where I have thousands of photos and hundreds of videos to enjoy and more content coming often. If you want a fantastic chastity device or a high-quality strap-on, go to LockedInLust.com for the vice or the crotch rocket and use my premium 15% off discount code, ChastityQueen. You can also follow me on Twitter at ChastityQueen as Queen of Lockup, where I post updates and polls for you to enjoy and engage in and you can also follow me on FetLife under Chastity-Queen, where I welcome friend requests and followers too. Please take a moment after this episode to leave a review for me. I would appreciate it a great deal. So first, I think the most important thing to discuss is what the meaning of cuckold really is and how it has changed from the 1200s to today. Uh, I have actually posted on my Twitter an article from Your Tango. It's called um, Rebecca Jane Stokes Talks About Cuckolding and Everything That You Ever Wanted to Know About Being a Cuckold and More. So I just picked out a few interesting points from her article. And uh, in one section, it says the word cuckold itself is actually pretty darn close to being super ancient. The first recorded use was in 1250 in a satirical poem called The Owl and the Nightingale. So that should be an interesting thing to take a look uh, look at, that poem from 1250. So it's been used for many, 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 many years. Uh, it also talks about uh, why the word cuckold. It says the word is derived from the cuckoo bird, who is known for laying its eggs in the nests of other birds. Only in this case, instead of eggs, it's a wife laying with a man who is not her husband. So that is the cuckoo bird cuckold connection. So she goes on to say that uh, cuckolding is a sexual fetish that a lot of people really enjoy. And the use of the word cuckold is a less of a source of mockery now than it is to refer to a sexual fetish. And then cuckolding or cucking is when a man and his partner derive sexual pleasure from the woman having sex with men who are not her partner. And very often her partner is forced to watch his wife or partner being unfaithful. It's a fetish that, like many others, is formed in a masochistic love being humiliated. In that way, cuckolding is a subject of the BDSM kink world. So I'm not going to carry on with this, but uh, you can definitely read on about cuckolding and that article generally covers most of the questions and some history into cuckolding. But 
as I always say, everybody has their own very specific type of dynamic in a relationship. And just because you're into BDSM doesn't mean that you fall into a box. So each scenario is negotiated. And I've got my slave here, Bunny, and we just experienced this cuckold scene on the past Saturday night. And we are going to discuss it. But first, I want to ask Bunny some questions. And the first question I have is, why did you decide becoming a cuck was something you wanted to do with me? It was around the time we decided uh, on the five and a half year chastity sentence. Um, It just seemed almost like a logical progression of that. Uh, But aside from that, it's like it's something I've been fantasizing for about for a while and I never really quite understood why until I till I actually uh I believe I discussed it earlier in another podcast where we're doing an interview with uh Carly DeVille on uh on the old uh YouTube channel uh Ask Carlos and said we uh we tend to eroticize pain and and if anyone knows, I have been cheated on in the past, so it was something that, I guess, something that formed into a fetish for me. It's kind of weird when you think about it, but at the same time, yeah, it's uh, I've come to own it at this point, and uh, now it's uh, something uh, my queen and I enjoy together. Yes, and that's about the time uh, when we did decide that you would be locked for five and a half or longer uh, years in chastity without a free come. So I can still take off your cage and uh, you can go in and wash yourself and we can do maintenance or I can edge you or you, I can use electric on you, whatever the case might be. But you can't come from penetrative sex uncaged. And so that left me wondering, well, am I just going to be um, making a dildo my boyfriend now. <laughs> so that's, you know, we got just dis- discussing things. And as uh, Bunny mentioned that it was Carly DeVille who sort of talked about eroticizing, you know, fears or trauma, etc. And that makes sense uh, in that area. But it's also something I wanted to mention was that initially, when I was thinking about being a, a cuck queen or a cuckoldress, knowing Bunny's past experience, I did not want to be associated with the person who hurt him. So I did not want to have him relive that scenario over and over again, imagining his ex and me in that situation. So that caused a few mm, psychological questions in my mind as to whether I wanted to go forward with that because I didn't want to proliferate that connection with an ex and live out her bad behavior in front of him for now what turned into a sexual fetish. So it's complicated, I'll tell you that much. It's not an easy thing to broach and it's not an easy thing to discuss as a couple. I know that a lot of people have been cheated on and it's not anything new, but Uh, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't engaging in something that was going to be mm, just 
opening the wound constantly or me becoming that other woman who now he's just constantly thinking about her and I'm just facilitating that scene for him in his head over and over again as almost like I'm a just an actress. And so that's something that is, uh, there's probably room for discussion on that. I'm sure a lot of women think about that. And women who know their spouse or partner has been cheated on that don't uh, want to be sexually erotic if it is based on the back of a a cheating partner. So that's where I had a lot of deep thought. And women do, I mean, I'm not saying men don't have deep thoughts, but women tend to look at things and dissect them. And it's, ah, people put them down for dissecting, but I think it's important that a person thinks things through and understands what the motivation is. And I wasn't going to take part in this kind of a cuckold situation if it meant that that ex-partner was going to be the forefront in my slave's mind, because in that case, I would just look for another partner. So um, that's where I was at. But yeah. Uh, next question. Actually, just one second here. I think that Bunny has something to add to that. Yeah, I could see where the concern is there. I mean, it's something I would be concerned about if I were if our places were like exchanged. Uh that being said, it it took a lot of my own soul sh- searching to reach this point. And honestly, even though it's been years, it's like most of the most of the soul searching that got me to this point has been in the last few months <laughs> with my queen uh, because she's to me she's a very safe person to be with i mean we both put a lot of thought into this like i didn't want it to be anything that would hurt her and i understand her feelings of it not wanting to be something that would we would relive a painful situation but to me at this point it's not even about reliving it it's it's a fetish at this point that i i found uh, from our experience the other night i enjoyed it and i wasn't even i had no thought of anyone else i just all i can think of was how much she was enjoying herself it and that was that was almost enough to get me off while I was caged and unable to touch myself. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that it's important that, you know, these discussions happen regularly between a partner and their, you know, cuck or their cuckoldress because new things come up after each scene. And... Uh, sometimes things will be realized after a scene takes place. And when that is realized, it's either healthy or it's not. Or there can be something in, in between, a mix of healthy and not healthy. So, you know, if it's a healthy experience and it's safe and it's really thought out and pre-negotiated, then um, that's important. But... <sighs> 
What I wanted to say is that uh, no one wants to revisit pain or be the facilitator of that trauma. And especially when you love somebody and when something is born through hurt, it does make you question why it has been switched into a fetish. And it's just, it's something that sometimes cannot be explained. It just is, it just happens. Um, but I've always been one that's been very cautious about the psychological aspect of BDSM and even why I do the things that I do and why I want to do the things that I do, but how I can facilitate that safely. So, because honestly, let's be real, people get into relationships because of their past, because of maybe how they were brought up. Um, they choose a partner based on how their father or their mother treated them. A lot of times it's all psychological reasonings that won't be mapped out for you automatically until you start to ask those hard questions. And asking the hard questions sometimes is too difficult for most people to do. But what they don't realize is that if they don't ask those questions to themselves and with their partner, then they're going to continue on with patterns. And if they don't question those patterns, they won't understand why they continue re-traumatizing themselves. And I'm not saying that this, this is a case of, well, he wants to re-traumatize constantly over and over again because we've discussed it. And it's an open dialogue. But I see a lot of people in relationships that aren't even in BDSM, um, but a lot that are in BDSM as well, that are constantly going with the same partner, the same partner, the same partner, the same partner, and, you know, wondering why they can't get it right, why they can't find happiness, why they can't find sexual enjoyment. Why is it? It's because they're not asking themselves the deep, dark, hard questions. And sometimes we don't even know what to ask ourselves, especially when we're young. And that's why such a, you know, a healthy foundation of a family life is important because if you have a good foundation of a family that is open and willing to talk and willing to accept, you know, any gender, any sexuality, that's a healthy environment. But let's be honest. I wouldn't say that's the majority of, of the world. The majority of the world are just trying to survive. And parents aren't given any instructions when they have a child. They know how to make a baby, but they don't know how to raise it and foster a healthy environment. They are reactionary. They have maybe their relationship starts to tank and the child starts blaming themselves and the parents don't realize it. And, you know, it's, it's a big explosion of, of, you know, a domino effect of one negative after another. And a child will search for something that makes them happy. And it may not be exactly what they want. So anyway, I just think it's important to always talk about these topics in at length before going out and doing them. And in our case with the cuck scene, we had to go through some difficult conversations and we had to stop and talk even when it was difficult because, you know, your partner will say, well, I shouldn't have told you that, you know, it's automatic. Well, I shouldn't have told you. Yeah, it was a mistake telling you my fantasy. Well, no, it's not actually because it's a way to grow. 
And it's all in how you receive it. It's also in how you um, deliver the message. So, and you have to think about the message before you even decide that this is something you want to do. Really think it through. That's my message right now. So anyway, as usual, I get a little deep on things, but uh, let's move on to number two. Bunny, what made the first experience successful in your mind? And I'm going to just, before you start, I'm going to say we really thought things through. So I'm going to hand it to you and you can uh, share your feedback on that. Yeah, as you said, uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of thinking that went along with this. It wasn't just like, oh, well, we decided to do this and here we go. <laughs> no, it was a lot of negotiation, a lot of communication, taking everyone's feelings into consideration, not just ours, but the but the uh, partner that we played with. I mean. Had to take their feelings and into consideration. It's it it that makes it much more complex of a situation than just a normal like. Well, I mean, not saying uh, a normal relation like a normal two person relationship is not complex, but you you add another person mm. to it, then that complexity just goes through the roof. Because we're, we're, I mean, we're both like people who are very, my queen and I are very much people who are very cognizant of other people's feelings. So we don't want to like hurt someone. I mean, I know we're into BDSM and everything and, uh, and, uh, there is a purposeful hurting, but like that's negotiated and it's just for fun, really. So... (laughs) As we, as most people should know who are into BDSM, but for anyone who isn't, like that, nah, it's just a, uh, it's negotiated. And as I said, we didn't just jump into this. It was, I think, June is when we first really started talking about this. Like when we, uh, maybe early July, I think. And now we're into September, so that it's been a few months of prepping for this. And there's been a few times where it has been, uh, or there was some difficulties. A few times where it was like, ah, I shouldn't have told you. And it's like, because there was some emotional fallout. And sometimes it's not even from this specifically. It's from other things. And, you know, we're feeling other things. It's just like any other relationship, right? <laughs> like, no cookie cutter solution for anything you have to work things out and a lot of communication yeah communication is definitely key and i would say also it's not random you know you just can't you know spin a wheel and say this is when we're going to do it and this is who we're going to do it with and this is what's going to happen and kind of go with what the you know the wheel tells you to to do There's all these different variables, so it's complex. And it can be made simple if you plan properly. And so we did a lot of planning, and I think that's why it was a success because we, you know, we purchased the condoms, we purchased the, and not that we even used them because that wasn't part of our cuck scene. We did a bit of a soft start. And I even said to the, the man who came and was, 
pleasing me. He's a, he loves boots and he's been a boot lover. Actually, he uh, would see me just for boot worship many times as a pro dom. And I was very respectful of his hard limits and he's, he's very specific, very, you know, he has his preferences and I knew that he would be thoughtful. And that was important to me is choosing somebody who was respectful, thoughtful, and considerate, and also concerned with what I needed and what my needs were and that I felt safe with because of my own past. And I'm not one to get involved with just random sexual experiences. I'm just not. I've actually been open-minded to the swinging lifestyle, Try tried it. But it was more controlled and it wasn't in a, a mass group. It was just another couple. And at the time, my husband and I gave it a try and it just wasn't for us. So, and it wasn't the couple itself that were that fault. It was just, it just wasn't right and for us. And so I just found that I, even going to swinging parties, I would sit and watch and not watch people having sex, but I would be in the visiting area and and then see people going and doing it and all that. And it just wasn't, it just didn't uh, attract me. I wasn't attracted to that. I think primarily because I'm a dom at heart and I like to have control of a situation. And that doesn't mean that swingers are not in control of their, their negotiation process. I'm not there to hear that. But I also am just not into the random multiple partner play. I mean, not yet. Uh, maybe I'll grow from this and eventually have three lovers at once while Bunny is over on the bed. I don't know. I I can't see it, see that far in advance at this point. So the successful part was that we considered safety. So sexual safety had condoms just in case, um, fresh lube, toy cleaner. Those are logistical things, but you have to think about those, you know, having clean toys, toys that are safe to use on others or having barrier protection for them. If those get pulled out, you have to think about all of that. Um, alcohol wipes, just certain things that matter. And I tend to be a little bit more on the cautious side just because I was a pro dom and I took that stuff extremely seriously. I did not want anybody coming in or leaving with any concerns, any issues. And I, and because ultimately it would affect me because I'm in charge and I'm responsible. So, uh, and then you've got the psychological side of things, which we took the time to work through some of the psychological bugs that were discussed. So, you know, you know, in general, it was, it was great. It was a good experience. And I think it's because of planning, proper planning, like anything. Okay, so let's go to number three. What was the one most exciting part of the scene? So this is for Bunny. During our Saturday play session, I'm just going to talk a little bit quickly. You know, I had my slave in, my boot, my boot lover. I had my slave on the bed previously on, you know, in straight jacket and blindfolded because my boot lover was requesting that. It was a first for him. So he had apprehensions as well. And we had to negotiate those terms as well. So I had 
my slave on the bed, blindfolded, straight jacket, no ball gig because I wanted him to be able to speak if there was an issue. And I wanted to give him water throughout the scene. We had initially decided on two hours from five until seven. It ended up going till about nine o'clock, I believe. And that was, it felt like two hours, but it was longer. <laughs> We're kind of surprised when we, when I took the, I took the blindfold off of Bunny and we looked at the time. It's like, oh my goodness, this did last longer, but partially. And we can talk more about the actual experience um, because I did put the boot lover into subspace. So there was some aftercare required. And that's also something that people have to realize that sometimes aftercare isn't just set aside for your cuck, but it could also be necessary for your lover. Or even for me, I could have needed it. So you have to be prepared for those things and expect the unexpected. So, okay, Bunny, so you can answer the question, what was your favorite part? Well, for sure, uh, knowing that you enjoyed yourself and having a great, had a great time. I mean, I, as you said, I, I had a hood on, uh, I had the straight jacket on. We had to kind of, we had to loosen the arms and uh, let it out because my shoulder was starting to hurt quite a bit, which was unfortunate. I was kind of hoping that it would be able to stay the entire time, but you know, you gotta like, you have to listen to your body as I have said in previous podcasts, you, you do have to listen to your body. And if it's telling you there's an issue, you got to address it. But yeah, um, it was the fact that you were having such a good time. That was the most exciting part for me. I honestly, I, I get off just knowing that you have, you're having a great time. I actually hear it in your voice and it, it was it was just like, oh, wow, this is so awesome. She's having a great time. And I'm that means, oh, I was over the moon with joy or like with joy, knowing that she was having a great time. And uh, when she finally finished them off, it was like, <laughs> oh, wow. It was it was amazing. Like the whole experience. I just it was just awesome. I, at first, I was pretty nervous i mean we all were of course i it's it's just natural right uh like and the funny thing is my nervousness didn't really didn't really hit me until really until he walked into the door i was sitting there i was laying there going oh boy this is happening this is happening this is how wow holy shit <laughs> so it's it but i quickly um got into it like i was like oh wow okay so now it's like it's it's all happening it's like we are experiencing this and as i said the whole thing was amazing at the end it was i would like it's like he was in subspace i'm when she finally undid my hood and everything got me out of the straight jacket, I was in subspace. I was, I felt like I was drunk and wobbling around. Yeah. <laughs> I could barely stand. <laughs> so yeah. So the whole thing was very enjoyable. I, I believe my words were when I, when we, when I finally came out was, well, I think it's confirmed. I'm a cock. 
because I enjoyed the hell out of this. So I think the thing that really got you going, Bunny, was when at the end I was, and I had told the boot lover, I said, look, we don't have to do anything penetrative. I had a bunch of toys there he could have used on me, but I just wanted it to be a soft start. So I I think for everybody listening, if you are new at, new at this or new to this or want to try or maybe have tried it and it failed, start with a soft beginning where you don't add in some extreme uh, penetration or you, whatever the case may be that might be a little bit pushing your boundaries or new to you and you're nervous about, you don't have to do them. That's the beauty of it. You know, I could have had him come in with Bunny on the bed and just give me a massage. And that was the plan. You know, come in, give me a body massage. And then afterwards, I had my well-worn boots that I always use with him and with socks there uh, in my boots. And I'd worn them for, you know, on and off for a couple of days. So they had a beautiful scent to them. And that's what my boot lover enjoys. And so he would come in, massage me, and then do some boot worship and smell my feet, smell my my boots, smell my socks, and then kiss my feet and, and, and carry on from there. So what we did was after that, I had him on the bed because I didn't have my massage table set up as I used to in my dungeon. And so we, we finished on the bed and uh, I like to do a foot job on him. And there's a certain way I can do it where it's really easy for me. I can relax and do it. It's not a problem. And I saw that he was excited and I just said to him and it came out kind of, I don't know, it was spontaneous. I just said that maybe next time if we do this again, because I don't like to put expectations on anybody. If we do this again, maybe I'll kiss, you know, your cock a little bit or maybe suck it a little bit. And what would you think about that? And he said, yes, mistress. And I said, and then I thought, but you've been so good today. He, like he spent so much time on massaging me. What if I did it today? Right. Asking for consent, basically. And he said, yes, mistress. <laughs> so I went and I decided I was going to put my mouth on him. And that was what threw him into subspace. And I let him come in my mouth. I didn't swallow. I said, maybe next time I will swallow. <laughs> So, and then I thought, well, do I or do I not walk over to my slave and put it in his mouth as a sort of humiliation tactic, you know, but I knew we hadn't negotiated that. So I didn't do that. So I just dropped the, the cum on his pelvis. And then later I wiped him off as he was coming down off of his ejaculation and, <laughs> and, and shaking and the whole nine yards. It was, it was nice. I, I covered him in some towels just to keep him a little bit warmer. But um, then after he did leave, I went over to my slave and I gave him a kiss on the lips with my un, unbrushed mouth. <laughs> I did, hadn't brushed my teeth yet. So, you know, and that was fine. He, I knew my slave would be okay with that. So that was fun. But um, yeah, so soft start. And I think that... 
That was probably my slave's favorite part because I had asked him afterwards, I bet you you've, were close to coming when you realized I put my mouth on him. He said yes. So that was good. And in regards to what you said, Bunny, about enjoying me being pleased, hearing me being pleased by somebody else and in having pleasure, that's a very masculine thing, actually, when you think about it, because men do love to hear a woman get off or they love to know when she's being pleased and enjoying herself. I think that's the ultimate end goal for most men is the pleasure of their partner. So, and as far as nerves are concerned, I think it was um, nervous excitement. And I did do many check-ins with him just to make sure he was okay. Like if my boot lover went to the bathroom, I, I looked over at my slave. I said, are you okay? Are you need some water? Do you need whatever the case may be? And then when his arms and his shoulders got sore, um, I kind of noticed he was shuffling a bit. And I had the the boot lover go over and just unbuckle his arms in the front and at the side, and the straps at the back stayed on. So he was able to relieve his arm and his shoulder pain a little bit. So never assume that you can stay in one position for an extended period of time. As much as you might want to as a slave or a cuck, it can be unrealistic. So never put yourself in a position where the dom can't hear you or can't see you. So, you know, if you were to say, well, put me in a straight jacket in the closet and ignore me, well, that might not be a wise choice, in my opinion. Okay. I don't think that's safe. So just always have check-ins. I think check-ins are important. And the whole idea of a bull and a dom, you know, or a woman, a wife with her bull and then the slave who's the cuckold, it doesn't always have to be an alpha male that's pleasing the woman. And that's something that we had to negotiate because I didn't really want, I still want to be in charge. I guess that's what I want to say. I want to be in charge. I want to know what's happening I like to know what's going to happen. I don't always need to know when it comes to my ultimate pleasure, but at the same time, I like to, to know what's happening because I do like to be in charge. So for me to have, you know, a man come in and just start to dominate me could be problematic. And we discussed that. It's all about safety. Uh, let's go to our last question. Number four, what do you recommend to anyone wanting to explore the cuckold life? And I think we've touched on a lot of points to consider, but I'm going to turn this over to Bunny and he can maybe add some more tidbits of uh, information and some suggestions. And I will as well in a minute. Well, as we uh, stated before, lots of communication and planning went into this. So that that's a good, that's a big start particularly the communication. Um, the harder part is probably the broaching the subject. It's not an easy one to broach. Um, because again, it's like, you're not the only one in the, in the relationship, right? So everyone has different views and different values and how they, 
how they're raised and everything. So, and that all goes into their, their, their psychology in the whole. (laughs) So like it, it, it was almost when I first brought it up, it was something that was, it was difficult because again, uh, I mean, you had, uh, you were raised in a very different way. Like we've talked about it, the cult and everything, and it's a very sexually repressive cult. So it's it kind of you had to kind of retrain yourself on how to view sexuality and everything. So, (laughs) and that's that's never an easy thing to do when you're a full adult. I mean, I mean most most people start exploring their sexuality when they're like teenagers. I'm not saying they go and have sex or anything, but I'm saying they start exploring sexuality. So, and that, and that's the natural way of doing it. It's the natural, natural progression into doing it. And again, that's why it's great to have the, uh, the sexual education in, uh, in schools. Cause then you learn how to, you basically learn what to, well, how everything works. They, they really talk about the biology of it first and foremost and safe sex and all that stuff. So that's, that's the greatest. That's probably the bare minimum of what you need to do. Um, but yeah, it, it is, again, it's a very difficult subject to broach unless that's how your relationship started out with that understanding and that dynamic already in place and most most relationships don't start like that so <laughs> so it was a very difficult just going into it i mean there was a few times in the past probably i believe what was it um a year ago two years ago where we kind of talked about it um you had just had a session with someone and uh, you brought it up. Uh, and again, it was something I wasn't myself. I wasn't 100% comfortable with. even So I kind of, even though I kind of like said, oh yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. I kind of almost mitigated it, kind of like minimized it too, which, you know, uh, if I hadn't, it probably would have been we probably would have been more advanced into this, but there's the possibility. But again, I don't particularly think I was ready either. I think it was something that again probably was better to have the uh have that time pass. It almost seemed right when we uh finally had the big discussion, as I said, probably like I said, July late June, whenever we had it to, uh, finally have that. And I believe my, I think I said afterwards to her that I, or to you that I was, uh, very, it felt like a big, huge relief that I finally had told you. I mean, there was a few, there was a few days where you, you had to digest the information. You had to digest it, and that's understandable, given given the whole gravity of it. 
and all the considerations that had to go into it and everything. And I had to reassure you that if you weren't into this, that I, that this is something we like, I didn't have to do. So, but it's like, I had to make sure that you were 100% on board with this. And that's what, that's one thing. I mean, you, you always, you can't have someone sit there and say, oh, I'm just doing it for you. That's not a, that's not a healthy way of doing it. It's like, if that's a hard limit, then it's a hard limit. Don't push it. Like try to figure out something else, like some dirty talk or whatever, (laughs) how to do it. So uh, that's pretty much um, my thoughts on that. Yeah, so I recommend, personally, um, reassurance is a good thing. So, you know, if you have the courage and you've got the opportunity to talk about a fantasy that you have, and in this case, say it's cuckolding, um, how would you talk about it with your partner? Now, you're going to know your partner's um, specifics. So each each partner is different. And... You're going to know, you know, how your your partner was raised, what their morals are, what their general interests are, and you can kind of use that as a foundation for how you broach the subject, which is always a challenge, but you will know what will spark them or trigger them to get angry at what might not. So maybe you have to give her a foot massage and that's when she opens up about her feelings or, or he opens up about his feelings and then you can talk about it. And I would say that, you know, it's probably easier to go off and fantasize on your own and fulfill your fantasies with a random stranger and cheat. And that's why cheating happens because you start to indulge your fantasies with somebody who isn't a threat. There's no threat of losing them. So it's somebody who's not your partner. Well, you're not going to lose them because they're just a, you know, a a stranger, a, a passing fancy and telling them your real feelings isn't that serious because if they say, Oh, goodbye, then, you know, you don't live together, you don't have a family, you don't have a deep connection and love with them. So why people are cheating is I I want to say it's pure laziness on most people's part. And oftentimes, when that person cheats, and it's found out, then they are saying, why didn't you tell me I would have tried it? But it's too late. So I would say, you know, if you have a fantasy and your motivation is love and it's uh, to better the relationship and make your partner's life better, then it's not going to harm the relationship. If it does, then there's probably bigger problems going on than that. And if it doesn't, I mean, then you get to start a journey that means more sexual experiences or more closeness, more togetherness and more transparency, which brings two people closer together anyway, versus lying, cheating, you know, trying to keep that up, trying to hide, 
trying to sneak around versus, well, you know, I'd like to try to be a cook, you know. And I will say about, I know that, Bunny, you mentioned about hard limits and, and that and how you said that, you know, talking to me was, there were some, you know, moments when we had to discuss things and it was difficult and that, but um, being a dom for me is about facilitating fantasy. And I understand fantasy and I understand what it involves. So, you know, there can be times when there's a crossover. So when you're in a relationship with somebody, but they're also your dom and they want to facilitate a fantasy for you that maybe isn't something that initially is their fantasy. You have to understand that it may not be, it might be a soft limit, but it may not be a hard limit. Maybe it's a soft limit and she's a bit uncomfortable, but maybe it's nerves, you know, like, I mean, doing something like that with a partner in the room, that's a humongous step. And you have to really wonder you know, is my partner really on board with this? Because what if they switch? What if, you know, mid-scene, they get angry or jealous? And I think that's people's biggest concern is the jealousy factor. And that's something that we haven't really talked about. But, you know, you have to get into a good scene with people that understand what it's about or who are willing to start as a soft landing you know, with a scene because they don't know how their their emotions are going to cope with the end result or the middle the middle of the the scene. They don't know how they're going to cope with it. So you have to really think ahead, and it just takes planning. It's like planning a trip. You know, you you can't forget your passport, but you also can't forget extra underwear. You know, um, you you got to be prepared. You got to bring the peptabismol because it's going to cost, you know, triple the amount of money on a resort than it is if you buy it from your local pharmacy. You just It's about planning ahead for things that might happen, but probably won't happen. But if you don't plan for it, it can be disastrous. And you don't want to hurt feelings. So I think what men fear the most about broaching the subject of a fantasy is losing their partner losing their comfortability, having their their partner who they're used to just saying you're a weirdo and playing the blame game or the shame game, saying you're a pervert and, you know, I don't want to be with you anymore, etc., etc. So I think it's important when you broach the subject that you just say, look, every now and then I've thought about this. What do you think about that? And your partner's going to say, well, that they might say that's weird. Like, what, what do you mean? And then you can go into explaining it a bit and saying, well, but I'm not sure how it would play out. And my motivation is because I love you and I want you to be pleased. Or it might spice up our marriage. And it, it doesn't mean that a person's bored. But sometimes they are. I mean, those are all things you can discuss. And maybe it is meat and potatoes and you're, you want something to spice it up. And maybe, maybe being a cuck isn't the thing that's going to work, but maybe she's willing to add in a female partner and you don't want to engage in, 
her with her female partner, but you're allowed to watch or listen. Whatever the the case is, I mean, there's all different kinds of scenarios. But you can just say to her, "Look, I, I'm not degrading you by wanting this. I just have a fantasy because I love you so much, and I'm curious about it. So, but don't underestimate the fact that women are very smart, and they're going to dissect why you want to do it and the reasons for it. So." You have to think ahead and plan ahead. And if you think it's going to be detrimental to your relationship and you're satisfied in other areas of your relationship and sexually that's enough for you and you don't need to add in that extra piece and you feel like adding in that extra fantasy is just a maybe the cherry on top, if you think that that cherry is going to destroy the whole cake, don't destroy the whole cake. You know, you don't need the cherry. You just don't. So I just, I'd ha- I hate to see people's relationships destroyed because of misunderstanding or maybe a rash decision, but nothing is more rash or destructive than cheating. And often, as you can see, historically, people find out. So <laughs> it's not worth it, really isn't, unless, you know, it's negotiated and it's in the, in the, the arrangement, you know, and she's got her night where she does her thing and whatever goes to see strippers and you've got your night where you have your, your fun and you dress up, you know, like a girl and she doesn't know. And that's how it is. And I've had many, many people come to me as a pro don and say, well, we have a don't ask, don't tell policy. And if that's the case, then, you know, that's a don't ask, don't tell. And if you both agree to it, then that's a negotiation. So you don't have to hold that guilt as much. Otherwise, I think that's about it. I, I Bunny might have a couple things to add. That's uh, a fair point about the soft limits. Um, instead of something being a hard limit, and it, it, it sometimes it's a it's a very thin thin red line between the two i mean sometimes you may think something is a hard limit when it can just be a soft limit like you might consider it like you may not even know yourself you may consider it a hard limit and then then you give it some consideration and be like well i'm not close entirely close to it i'm willing to try it (laughs) so and that's another consideration it's not always like so cut and dry all the time. Um, and another thing is like, and yeah. And I think you had, you had the right to be, to have the fear that I was going to get jealous and angry as there was a situation in our past where there was a, there was a, a, there was an incident where you had, where we were playing with multiple people. And I was getting quite angry about how it was going down. And I was getting very jealous to the point where I was, I was very angry. I, I remember that I was like, I had to leave the room and go to the bathroom. And cause I, my, I, I couldn't see myself, but I'm probably, I'm pretty sure my face was turning red with anger. <laughs> so I, but as we uh, 
it, it seems I've I'm past that. <laughs> but yeah, I could see why that would have been a that would have been a good that would have been a very legit fear of yours because of that. Yeah, and another thing about the uh, bringing it up to uh, your partner, there's always that fear of rejection about it and kink shaming. Because again, it's like like a lot of people do that, especially vanilla people. Like they sit there and go, "Ooh, that's ooh, what that you're that's gross or that's weird. Why would you like that? Like, what's wrong with you?" Kind of deal. And unfortunately, that's it's too common. <laughs> And that's a, that's a big reason why a lot of people don't bring up their kinky fantasies to someone, even if it's just as simple as like, oh, yeah, I like to be spanked or something like even something as simple as that is like it's it's hard to bring up sometimes because people are like, oh, you're one of those weirdos. And like, I didn't know you're one of those weirdos. That's that's weird. <laughs> So yeah, that's um that is a big consideration. So I will uh hand it over to my queen. Yes, that was uh the situation you talk about where you were upset. Uh, we had agreed upon a scene with two others and it, there was no sex involved and I still had my clothes on, but I was going to be on the bed and I was at my art studio and we had a kitten, um, male to female kitten, like kitty play person there, kinkster. And then we had our friend who's into flogging. He's very good at drumming and flogging on a body. And he can get a person into subspace uh, easily just with his methods. He's very uh, good at what he does. And uh, then Bunny was going to massage my feet. And so I was going to have some pleasure from, you know, one person massaging my feet, one person doing some flogging. And the kitten was at the head of the bed, um, just sort of, you know, rubbing me or whatever the case may be, how that was. But I noticed uh, as time carried on, and I don't know how long into it, I don't quite remember the time frame, but I was very relaxed and all of a sudden I noticed the kitten was kind of nuzzling me a bit like a kitten does. And then my, f my feet weren't being rubbed and bunny got up and slammed the door and left. And then basically the scene just ended right at that point. And the person who was flogging, he went out, I had him go out and check on, Bunny, while I talked to the kitten, because the kitten didn't understand what they'd done wrong. You know, I had multiple fires to put out, and then I had to go out and check on Bunny, and it was just, in my opinion, it was just too dramatic, too complicated, and it had been already discussed. So, you know, mid midway, I was trying to relax, and then suddenly, you know, emotions flared, and and that's the thing, you, you can't always predict when something's going to happen. And in that case, I think it was mostly the person involved that was doing the nuzzling and, do, you know, that kind of thing. The kitten and bunny, they got along, but I think seeing that person giving me affection was the hard piece. It wasn't so much the flogging. 
from the other slave. It was the kitten, and it was that type of attention I had. So um, after that, I would say I definitely was very leery of how I reacted or acted around other people. And I never, uh, to be, to be frank, I just didn't really need multiple people doing things to me. I, it just so happened that we were hanging out and we thought, why not? You know, we'll pamper the queen and everybody seemed on board, but people can have bad days. You know, I could go into a cuck scene in, in the days to come and I could have a bad day and I need to stop the scene. And it's the same with if you go to a dungeon or you go to a party and normally you could take a lot of hits, but you just, for some reason you can't. And that's why they're safe words. So I highly recommend that if there's an issue instead of, you know, reacting and sometimes that you can't control it, but you call a safe word and discuss. So I always say yellow is good and just say yellow. And I said that to Bunny actually on Saturday. I said, if there's anything you want to talk about, just say yellow. We'll talk about it. And that was with the, what had happened in mind actually, because I didn't want him to have an emotional reaction that I couldn't help him with at the moment, in the moment, because really, you know, you have to help the person who's having a reaction. It's almost like an allergic reaction. You don't know when it might come or sometimes even what the cause is. You can try to avoid it, but if it happens, it happens. And then you have to take care of those symptoms and you have to give the necessary assistance. And as a dom, uh, somebody who's in charge, I need to always be that person. Bunny, um, do you have anything to add about that? Yeah, I was, um, I believe at that point I was, it's still fairly new to me, like being in the BDSM scene or being fully into it like that. It was, I mean, I probably only been into it for a few months at that point. And again, like I said, I had certain things I had to work out too, before I even went full like before I fully got into the whole cuck thing and obviously and thinking back to that and yeah, that, that was definitely one of the things I needed to work out in my own, in my own head. I think I, at the time it was too triggering for me because of the fact that I had been cheated on and it just, yeah. And it just kind of felt like that's what was happening. And I know at the end of the day, that's not what was happening, but there was that, part of me that felt that was what was happening and that's what i had to get out of my head before i even went into this whole cuckolding thing and now it's like yeah i there was no issues with our play session i was like oh my god this is happening this is awesome (laughs) and we both enjoyed ourselves it turned out but it turned out as good as we could have hoped. So yeah, that, that's what it was amazing. So I'll hand it back to my queen. Yeah, it's a very good point. I think that it was, you were, you hadn't healed from that past trauma. And unfortunately me doing that, um, though I, like there was no 
kissing or sex or anything like that, you are still very delicate. And I think that if you've had, if you have a healthy relationship, then you can move into these new places. And if your relationship is not healthy or if there are traumas that you have to work on, uh, I would say do that first before you start to navigate into new waters. It's, you know, take care of the ocean that you're in before you start, you know, swimming into another ocean. And you just need to make sure you're healthy. And sometimes it's therapy. And sometimes it's just discussion and communication and time. You know, time heals all wounds, they say. But I think the most important thing is that if you understand each other, you understand what the triggers are of, you know, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what makes them angry, uh, then you're more equipped to know, you know, what is safe and what's not to discuss. And another thing too, just make sure that if you go into this cock, uh, queen, cuckoldress scene, that every situation is going to be different. And each scene is going to be different based on, you know, are you going to have one bull? Are you going to have a man who's a slave or a sub as your second? Are you going to have multiples? I mean, that's all going to be dictated and, and customized to what your needs are as a couple. And maybe they're female, maybe they're male, maybe there's a mix, maybe, you know, there's no interaction between the cuck and the the other partners, or maybe there is, who knows, but just start slow, start soft, start easy. And it's not like just jumping into cold water. You know, you're putting your toe in, you're testing the water, you're getting comfortable. <laughs> Some people need to jump right in. Okay. Uh, granted, I'll give them that. But, uh, and sometimes the swinging scene is good because it helps you to go as an observer and see what is your style as a couple or as an individual. Maybe you're a man who wants to be, uh, you know, the pleasurable for a couple. And that's how you enter into it. And that's totally fine. Just always make sure that your safety mentally and physically come first. And you don't go against your hard limits. Always define what those hard limits are. Also, I think it's important to look at what's your purpose? What's the purpose in doing this? Is it strictly sexual? Do you want to find a long-term relationship? Do you want the partners that you're involved with to be part of your poly group? Are you poly? Do you, are, or are you doing this because you're unhappy with your current relationship? And if that's the case, then I don't recommend going into this kind of situation because you're just just waiting for disaster. It's going to happen and it will come out. Uh, just make healthy choices for yourself and your partner and for your sexual well-being and your mental well-being. If you've got the bases covered, then I say more power to you. And if it even just opens up a conversation where you don't end up acting on your fantasies, but it opens up a conversation and it makes you closer with your partner. And they realize that, hey, my partner's telling me their innermost thoughts. They're not going to some random person on a random site online 
to express their innermost thoughts and feelings with, then that's a plus. It's a plus that you have built up the courage to do such a thing with your, with your partner. And as even for yourself, it's a character builder. Anyway, um, I thank Bunny for your input and your honesty. And, uh, because I think that your feedback really helps others who are in your position, especially men in particular, that don't know how to navigate through this and can look to you as a person who has gone through experiences that have not been great. And you've come out at the other side happy and healthy and able to, you know, engage in a scene that would normally have triggered you initially did trigger you on a smaller scale. So you've been able to grow as an individual and realize that, you know, it's not easy to open up, but it's worth it. And I'm glad that you opened up to me about it. And, um, I think it's been a benefit to our relationship. What do you think? Oh yeah, it's definitely been a benefit to our relationship. We, I mean, we like, we have had some difficult times for sure. (laughs) We've gone through some rough, rough patches, but we've always come out stronger as a couple. It's always strengthened us and we've both of us it's like we've come out with stronger character stronger outlook on life and it's always been it's always been beneficial i mean it's it sucked at the time and we don't want to repeat it for sure but we've always come out stronger and yeah it's like we have grown i have grown too as i've had to look back and look at that situation go yeah there's an understanding there's it's understandable why you've had your reservations about it and i yeah i'd look back and say yeah well it's not going to be an issue because i've worked out my issues on this so yeah that definitely makes for uh communicating and being honest with each other definitely makes for a much stronger bond, that's for sure. And I can't see myself being with anyone else. And something else I forgot to mention was that being in a um, poly situation where I have um, a husband who has his own girlfriend, it's a there's not a, it's not a sex poly. Um, it's just a, a you know a group friendship kind of deal. Uh, you know, I mentioned it to him as well and he just gave us the blessing. And so we were transparent with him and, you know, I, I think it's important that anybody that you want to get into a cuck situation with, you're transparent about if you're going to add in anybody else, if, you know, you're going to go play with somebody, it's very important that you let them know first, because if you can't be transparent, with your secondary partners, then what's the point in being transparent with the primary? Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, okay, Bunny and I are transparent, but then we're going to go in and be foolish with a bunch of people and not tell anybody. 
So that's also something you have to be cautious about is that, you know, with each of your partners or partner that you engage with, you must be upfront and honest because they have a cho- they have a an opportunity to make a choice. And if they choose not to engage, if you're with somebody else, n- you know, whatever aspect or whatever way that that might be, even if it's a massage, maybe somebody, maybe I have two men that want to be my bulls and one isn't cool with me having somebody come and do boot worship, um, body massage, and I give them a blowjob. And they just say, sorry, no dice, game over, I'm not into it. You know, you have to give that person the opportunity to realize that that's happening and go from there. You can't be too greedy. So don't get too greedy because the minute you start getting too greedy, it reflects in relationships. And so be cautious about that. Um, Something else I was going to say about bunny broaching the subject of being a cuck uh, brought to fruition my needs as a sadist. And it's taking him some time to digest everything. But I talked about a scene that I want to do, and we can talk about that in the future when it does happen. Uh, I'm just setting that up right now, negotiating something for September, I think it's a Sunday, the 25th or whatever. But I'm negotiating, I'm pre-negotiating. I had to talk to Bunny about it. Took him a few minutes or more to (laughs) figure it out. And I was scared because he started getting quiet and I didn't understand, well, why is he getting quiet? And then he got mad at me, (laughs) the whole nine yards. So I have some sadistic inclinations that need to be fulfilled, but I don't feel comfortable doing it with Bunny, not because he can't handle pain. He's actually quite good at handling pain, but I want to be able to have a a scene where I have multiple slaves pre-negotiated. It's a very heavy, heavy scene, but I want to, ha- I want to pre-negotiate all of the hard and soft limits. And I want Bunny to be there to watch over me and to watch over the others as well. So he's basically going to be my chase slave DM, you know, dungeon master. And he's going to make sure that all of the things that are negotiated and that's what I'm going, I'm going to make sure he has a list of everything with everybody on there. Um, if I'm able to, to fulfill this desire, but I have to pre-negotiate this with the event organizers because what I'm asking for is a bit out of the box. It's not where I sign up for a station at a dungeon, uh, in an event with a dungeon and I have one person there that I'm working on. I want to have, multiples. And I want to be able to, I'm a multitasker. So I like the thought of doing what I did a few years ago at a party where, you know, I had one, one man I was belting. I had one man on the cross who I was caning. Bunny was on the medical table with some CBT. Then I had one on the floor and each one was very specific. So one was being punished for this reason. One was being punished for that reason. One was being punished for this. It was almost like I was this mass punisher and I enjoyed every minute of it because it was so 
complex and it was stimulating for me. And it was, I was testing myself with each person. So I wasn't going out, out of the box. I knew, you know, if I can maintain my control, I think that's what it's about. And it does come out in the sadistic manner, but it's about being able to control multiple men with pain at one time. And the benefit of doing it all at once is that I'm in dom space once. So I go into the scene, I set my rules, I know what the limits are, and then I start to work. And if somebody calls red, they're out of the room and they'll get aftercare. We'll have that pre-planned. So I have that desire, but that took Bunny time to understand it, I think. And maybe also in a way he wanted to be part of it. But I don't want to have any kind of an emotional connection to anybody beyond the fact that I know what the rules of engagement are. And I just want to do it. I want to be, I almost want to think without thinking. And when you have a partner, you always have to think about their feelings. And when you're dealing with strangers, it's about, you can pre-negotiate. It's like being a pro-dom. You negotiate the terms, you give the safe words, you give the, the, the exit strategy in that case, if there's a problem and you have all the safeties in place, you have the hygiene tools in place. Otherwise I do my job. I get it done and I do it really well and I'm satisfied, but I don't want to come into Dom space and then come out and back and forth like a seesaw. I just can't do it. And with a scene like that, I can just be my, be myself and I can be sadistic and enjoy myself. So, but anyway, we're negotiating all that and I have to negotiate with the event organizers first because I also don't want to monopolize their dungeon. I'm sure in days to come, or at least by October, you'll hear how that all panned out if it did. Otherwise, as Bunny says, if, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I mean, with the cuck thing, if it didn't happen or if I didn't like it, I didn't want to do it, he was fine with that. We could do dirty talk. And for me, I don't need to have a sadistic session with multiples, but it's something I want. But I I also told him, if it's going to create this kind of upset in you, right, when he was initially upset by it, I said, I just won't do it. Like, I I don't need to do it if it upsets you. And I think that's the key is like caring about your partner. If it upsets them, you got to say to yourself, is it really that necessary? So nonetheless, I went off topic and kind of off, kind of on in between and all around. And yeah. So thank you for tuning in to Diaries of a Dom plus questions answered for our episode on how to become a cuck and our first cuckold session experience or story. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to my OnlyFans under Chastity Queen. You can go to Twitter at Queen of Lockup or Chastity Queen and follow me there. And you can also go to FetLife under Chastity-Queen, where I love receiving friend requests. And you can write a review. And you can also, if you want a Chastity device or a strap-on, 
you can go to lockedinlust.com using promo code chastityqueen. And otherwise, thank you for listening. Thank you again, Bunny, for your openness and your candor and all of that. And we will talk to you all again soon. Bye for now.